Okay, welcome to another podcast with Tim Wendelboe, our coffee podcast. I'm currently in uh, sitting in Colombia at Finca Tamala, that many of uh, the listeners might know. Uh, I've been working here for about two weeks now because my farm Finca El Suelo is right next door and I have been uh, taking care of the coffee trees on my farm while visiting Elias as well, uh, who has set up a new cupping lab. He has done a lot of improvements to the farm. And we've also celebrated one of my good friends, Diego Campos, who just won the World Barista Championship. And guess what? We are talking to Diego today. Hello, Diego. <laughs> Hello, Tim. Hello to everyone who is listening to us. How are you? I'm, I'm really well, thank you. Just enjoy the time here with and learning from you. A little uh, break after the WBC? <laughs> yeah, it's been nice to be in the farm, like having a rest after being like for almost three months in Bogota training for WBC. Yeah. Cool, we're gonna dig into uh, the competition much later, but let me just uh, tell our listeners a little bit about you before you start introducing yourself. I met Diego in 2013, I think? 14. 14? Mm. Uh, because I needed a translator to come to Finca Tamala with me because I didn't speak Spanish at the time. I still don't really speak that much Spanish. <laughs> But uh, I have a good old friend of mine, Luis Fernando Vélez, who runs the company Amor Perfecto. He kind of lent me Diego, he was a barista there, uh, to help me translate. And Diego came to the farm with me and uh, we had a lot of fun. Diego had some extra fun because he met Elias's daughter. <laughs> 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 and then uh, ever since Diego has come with me to the farm, to work with me on Finca El Suelo and also to help Elias improve Finca Tamana. And now he's married to Berlin, which is the daughter of Elias. So that's a short introduction, but Diego, may maybe you can tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you're from. And <laughs> so my name is Diego Campos. Um, I'm 31 years old. Uh, I came from a small town here in Colombia called Espinal in the Tolima department. I'm the youngest of uh, between f five brothers and sisters. I'm the last one. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm in coffee since 2008. That was my first contact with coffee. And since that, I've been dedicating my time to coffee. So you didn't, uh, you don't come from a coffee farm or anything? No, no, no. I mean, uh, Espinal is really, it's really hot. It's a really hot city, which uh, the main, um, like agriculture products are uh, kind of core uh, uh, and a different type of uh, like food fruits yeah uh, but uh, we don't have coffee we have coffee in Tolima which is the department but uh, no in Espinal okay so uh, I just finished my school my secondary school there and then I moved to, to Bogota and why did you start with coffee uh, that was something that uh, um, comes to me like uh, without nothing, without knowing, without knowing anything about coffee, um, I just wanted to find a job to go to university and get some money for myself. And then one of my sisters were working for Amor Perfecto in Bogota with Luis Fernando, the owner of Amor Perfecto, and um, she she was working there as a as a counter. And every time she went to to Espinalas for holidays, she started to talk about coffee and uh, all the things she did with coffee and uh, all the people was working in Amor Perfecto as a barista. And she she told me to, to be a barista one day. And I wasn't sure because um, at that time I was just 16. Yeah, wow. So I didn't like listen to her. And uh, in 2008, she asked me to go to Bogota because they were on a spot to roast coffee, so someone was leaving the roastery, so they needed someone to roast coffee. And she asked me to go, and I said, okay, I will go, but um, I'll just take it as a job, like like a normal job, because my my dreams or the idea of that moment was to have a job, go to university as everyone does. But uh, since that moment, I started to like realize what coffee was and uh, how, how many things uh, I could do with coffee. Mm. 
So you didn't go to university at all? I tried to de to go, but uh, it was just for one uh, one uh, like for one sem semester. Semester. Yeah. But uh, I quit because I didn't have time to work and study at the same time. Yeah. So it was really hard. It was just six months, and uh, it was really hard because I I have too much uh, work to do and uh, too much coffee to roast, and I couldn't say no because uh, I was thinking about my sister. So I'd say I cannot just leave the job because my sister just brought me here. So yeah. they they will be kind of angry with her. So I have to do the job as good as I can. So <laughs> wow. I decided to just quit the university and stay in coffee because Luis Fernando told me to to believe in coffee and try to create a career career in um, in coffee. Yeah. So that's why I left the university because my my idea was to study something to make my uh, mom feels happy about me, like to be proud of me. Like a doctor or something, or yeah, something. something <laughs> about that, so. Yeah, every mom's dream, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I kind of fell in the coffee the same. Like I was after high school, I didn't want to study actually. <laughs> so for me, it was like a a, a job that I took to see or to kind of figure out what to do with my life. That's and I'm still trying to figure out what to do with my <laughs> life. <laughs> yeah, that 23 was years later. <laughs> kind of the same for me, because uh, when I finished my secondary school, I didn't know what to do. Yeah. All my friends from uh, school, they have an idea what to study or what to do with their life. So I was a bit scared of finishing my secondary school without knowing what to do. Hmm. Then I started to work in a supermarket. Then I worked with the guy that like builds house and uh, that kind of things for two years. And then uh, when I decided to go to Bogota, like to, to do something serious. Yeah. So everything you learned about coffee, you learned that Amor Perfecto. Yeah, Amor Perfecto is my, uh, I think it's my second home and it's my school because I've been with them like for 13 years now. Yeah. Working as a like first as a roaster, then I start to cap. It was funny because when I was roasting, Luis Fernando asked me to cap every day and I didn't want it. <laughs> and every time he came to the factory, he said, have you cap? And I said, no, I don't want. So if you want to learn, you have to cap every day. So one day I started to cap. And then when I started to cap, I started to understand what I was doing as a job. So I, I realized that I have, uh, I have so many things to try and to do different not just doing like, like the following the process mm. uh, and because of that I, it started to become more interesting for me. Yeah, I guess like if you really want to become a good roaster you have to cup, like you have to taste what you're roasting. Yep. Otherwise you're just basically a person that pushes buttons. <laughs> that, that was me in yeah. 2008. And uh, thanks to Luis I started to cup and I started to understand what coffee was and uh, all the things you can do with coffee and uh, they teach me, I mean, they didn't seek me on a, any, like a, any room to teach me about coffee. He said, you, you will learn about coffee, but you have to work. Mm. While you're working, you will, you will get a lot of things, but it depends on you if you want to learn or if you want to have a job. Yeah. So I started to learn. One day I asked him to, to allow me to compete, and uh, he started to support me, but uh, like he said, you have to work. And if you have a free time, you can train. Otherwise, you have you have to do your work. So when did you start competing? Uh, 2009 was my first time. So a year later? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. And why did you decide to compete? Because, uh, I mean, uh, when uh, the guys in 2008, I roast the coffee for some of the guys that uh, compete on that year. So I went for the first time to the competition. I saw the competition and uh, it kind of motivated me to see I mean, like to see how it was and to try something different. Mm. That was my first time doing some, something in public. So I trained really hard, really hard for that competition. And um, it was really funny. So uh, since that, I started to, to dream to become a barista and then to win that competition one day. How did you do in 2009? 2009, I came second. Really? Yeah. First time? First time I came second because I, uh, I think because I trained too much, I, I think it was really hard to, for me to train because I was like, I was working from 8 in the morning to 6 p.m. in the afternoon. And uh, the only chance to train for me was like from 6 in the morning to 8 and uh, after 6. So mm. it was really hard, but I did it. So, Wow. 
That's great. So for those of the listeners who don't know what competition we're talking about, we're talking about the World Barista Championship. And of course, to qualify for that, you have to win the Colombian Barista Championship. Or if you're in Norway, you have to win the Norwegian Championship. And uh, the competition format, many of you know already, but I'll just quickly explain it. You have to make, there's four judges that you have to serve, an espresso each, a cappuccino each, or a milk drink each now. <laughs> and then a signature drink, which is has to be espresso-based and without alcohol and then you're judged based on technique taste presentation uh, everything you do basically on stage is judged <laughs> and I, I don't know how many judges they have now but they have four taste judges they have one or two technical judges they have a judge who judges the judges <laughs> so there's a lot of judging going on <laughs> a lot of clipboards and pens <laughs> But um, how did you kind of prepare in the beginning for that competition, the first years? The first years, uh, that was more kind of like technical for me. So I, I wanted to do everything like perfectly. Um, but um, kind of, I mean, uh, the, taste, the taste experience for me, that wasn't enough for that kind of competition. Because by that time I didn't understand what espresso was and how to get a best from the coffee in the espresso. Yeah. And I really focus on uh, like be really technical and try to offer a good service. But uh, I think by that time, my sensory skills wasn't enough for, yeah. for winning that competition. I think a lot of baristas have been in the same place. Huh. Where like the first time you just have to figure out how to make it and perfect the techniques and everything. So I started to watch a lot of videos and see like the past competitions and uh, to to talk to like old baristas and have competed before, and um, yeah, that was kind of like new experience. Everything was new for me that mm. on that moment. So I don't know how I came second. But <laughs> the competition back then was, I mean, not exactly new, but it was nine years old. The world competition, oh. and uh, there wasn't that much video content available, I guess. No. Uh, I mean, YouTube was not so popular as it is now, and uh, if they filmed it during the WBC, then Maybe they had a live stream back then. I don't remember, but uh, not much of it was published from from what I can remember. So, uh, did you have any people you learned from back then, or I've been training for s with uh, so many people. First with Luis, um, the guys in Amor Perfecto that were like like rock stars on that moment. They were the top racers in Colombia. But uh, I've I've been training with. Uh, Mike Young, I think he's a Canada guy. Mike Young, yes. Mike and uh, with Sonja Grant, with uh, Frick Storm, with you also. I the mean, the I've Nordics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, I've been learning from uh, a lot of people, and I think I'm still learning about coffee. I mean, competition is a thing, but uh, I think the like real life is when you. Like you, when you face a customer and you have to spend in the drinks, and um, when you have someone that wants to learn from you, and uh, I think preparing for competition is really different than the real life. Yeah, yeah, somewhat. I, I actually do think it reflects a little bit what you have to do in real life as well. Mm. Like you have to be good at customer service. Yep. That's number one. You have to, you know, be technically. To be good at customer service, you have to be technically precise, so you don't have to think about it. Uh -huh. And then, of course, you need to be able to taste so that you know that you're serving something good. But of course, we don't necessarily freeze the milk and dehydrate <laughs> it before every customer. <laughs> so that's a little over the top, maybe. But um, uh, I, th I see a lot of parallels in the competition. And yeah, yeah. There's, there's so many things you learn from the customers to do in competition. Mm, definitely. Like when I competed back in the days, I actually trained while I was working. Because <laughs> back then, you know, we didn't really have that many standards in the coffee shop. And uh, we just tried to improve it all the time. So whenever I learned something new, I would just implement it in the service and train on it there. <laughs> so I didn't have to spend many hours after work training all the time. Huh. So it was kind of all year round. You were constantly trying to train and, and do these things. And of course, work perfectly all the time. So let's talk about, um, let's jump a little bit back and forth, but uh, let's talk about this year's competition. Because uh, many of you know, but if you don't know, Diego actually won the World Barista Championship in 2021 in Milan. 
<laughs> and it was fantastic. We all cried. I wasn't there. I was watching from home on television. And uh, I think you made a lot of people cry. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're very happy for you. Um, how did you kind of train for this competition? Because you've been, you've been competing in the WBC three Th times? Yeah, this was my third time. So when was your first time? First time was in Seattle, 2015. And the second one was, um, that's supposed to be the last one, Seoul, Korea, 2017. Yeah. Mm. And I think they make me realize that I need to get more experience and uh, train harder if I wanted to win uh, this competition one day. So that was funny because in 2017, we were kind of like weak about competing anymore. So uh, that's why we went to Australia to live there for two years. Yeah, uh, by we, you mean you and Darlene? <laughs> See. Yeah. So like we trained for, uh, for this competition, we trained like four, like for three months almost. But I think like being, in, being twice in WBC before uh, gave me a lot of experience and uh, like I feel more conf confident about competing. Yeah. And that's why I decided to try again. So the first time, how did you kind of train for that? I trained with Mike Yoon, yeah, and uh, it was it was my first time doing a presentation in English, and uh, that was my first time going to to WBC, and it was kind of like, as you said, I didn't have nothing to lose, so yeah. I really enjoyed that one, yeah, and I came number fourteen. Oh, that's almost semifinals, almost. That's pretty good. I, re I remember I met you in Seattle and tasted your espresso and. You know, back then there wasn't that many kind of wild processes around and stuff, but uh, it was good. It, it wasn't like spectacular, I remember, but it was a good solid espresso. And I think from coming from there until today, you know, there's a huge difference <laughs> <laughs> for sure. <laughs> but and, uh, yeah, in uh, 2017, when I was with you there, so I think I got more pressure. And um, yeah, because it was my second one uh, and I wanted to win and I wanted to to be even in semifinals. Yeah. So I kind of didn't enjoy what uh, with what I was doing because I was thinking just to to do it like in the best way and uh, so that happens where you really want to win. So yeah, I remember because I was kind of training, coaching you back then. Of course, from Norway, it's difficult. So you, you let's just get that out of the way <laughs> like as a coach you're just there to guide a little bit but uh, the main job is done by the barista but uh, since Diego was in Colombia and I was in Norway well I came here a couple of times to to help you but uh, you mainly did the main job and then I went to Seoul with you to kind of support you there but I remember we talked about the goal being just coming to the semifinals that was the first goal yeah and then hope hopefully hope for the finals but uh, it didn't go that well <laughs> you came like 20 something 25 yeah and that was devastating for both <laughs> of us i think Cause yeah uh, we cry a lot and uh, we say we uh, we were not compete again yeah but you learned from it uh, yeah a lot <laughs> yeah i learned a lot so a lot of pain <laughs> so what did you take from uh, those two first competitions uh, like how did you use that to prepare for the this year's competition. So I get a like consistency and uh, I understand that I have to be more mature about competing and about like like, like in, uh, as a person as well and uh, I grow a lot like I got experience I got uh, consistency that got more like, like into the competition to see what they're looking for and um, yeah I think I learn a lot. Mm. I think for my my impression is that you got a lot more confidence in yourself. Yep. Whereas before you were kind of listening to what I had to say all the time or the other coaches kind of waiting for us to tell you what to do. <laughs> Whereas my impression now is that you told, at least that's what Luis Fernando said, that you, s you were listening to advice, but you were really determined on what you wanted to do yourself. Is yeah, that right? Or? Yeah, I think that's uh, really important because at the end of the day, I'm, I'm the person who is doing the presentation in there. So as Luis says, you have to take your decision. So you have to listen to everyone, but uh, the last word is yours. So yeah, 
this just take your decisions let me know who you want to work with which coffee you want to use and um are we here just to support you and um, we do what you want to do yeah so tell me a little bit about the team you have had around you for the this year so as a head as a head we have uh luis fernando which is like the guy that guides me he's the boss <laughs> he's the one to pay <laughs> and um yeah he say like do what you want to do i'm here just to to support you just let me know what you want to do which is really important to have someone like him uh, on your team because uh, he has been really like uh, unconditional for me yeah uh not as a, like a boss and an employee we are kind of like good relationship with him yeah. so he has been listening to me as a, as a father yeah so which is great for me i feel really like grateful and comfortable to have him you know, on my life and uh, I was working with uh, a like psychology psychology guy. Psychologist, yes. Working on my mind, on my brain, and how to believe on myself, and uh, how to try to like uh, drink without without uh, fear. And I was working with a guy that guided me on a, like a public presentation and how to present myself, how to do my movements how to do that kind of things. And I was working with uh, professional baristas as well, David Chaus and uh, Valentina, Cesar. They were kind of baristas from Amor Perfecto. Then they put their experience in competition because they have been competing as well. Mm. And uh, they were they, they will helping me on uh, like getting everything ready, so many ideas from then. I also work with a guy that is a Colombian Josh, like uh, in, uh, in a barista competition. He was the guy that went with me to Italy. Great. And I was working also with Federico Bolaños from Salvador. And um, I got some uh, ideas from him because I trained with him in 2019 for Nationals for a week. And um, I was doing a online uh, training with him for WBC. So he was kind of coaching you at the end via Zoom or something like yeah. that? Or? Yeah, I was working with him by Zoom and uh, he went to Italy as well. Yeah. And uh, um, yeah, you, you have, be, <laughs> you have uh, inspired me a lot and uh, give me your unconditional like, like support as well, which is really nice to have that kind of people like you in, in our team. Oh, I wish I could take more credit for this year's win, but uh, I, c I really can't because I've been <laughs> in Norway all the time. Also with Don Elias and uh, my wife's uh, family. My, was, my wife was a big part of the team because yeah. she was looking after uh, Sofia while I was training. We went to Bogota. Sofia is your daughter. Sofia is my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> my little one, she's two and a half. And um, Darlene went with me and she stayed in an apartment for, for three months looking after Sofia yeah. because I was training every day from like six in the morning to six, seven in the, in the night. Mm. So she was kind of like, she was really patient with me. And I think she's like really important for me uh, on the thing she was really important. Of course. Because if uh, she and Sofia were good, so I felt good. So I, I felt comfortable and I felt like okay i have everything under control so i have i can dedicate myself to train without like stressing if I, they are good or not yeah i knew they were close to me they were good so i i spend a lot of time like focus on what i want to do you have to kind of have balance in life in order to perform huh? uh yeah that's a that's a really important thing yeah because you have if you have so many things to think about so you you, you are not like 100 percent focused on on the competition so yeah I was really 100% on the competition because I knew she was looking after Sofia. Yeah. They were in a good space, they, got, they had food, they had everything they need. So I was, I was um, like kind of like everything is under control. Mm. And uh, so Don Elias as well, sorry, Don Elias as well, because we, when the pandemic started, so we moved to his farm. So in Catamana, yeah. we stayed here for one and a half year working with them so they open the, 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 the doors of the farm and allow us to stay here. So we, we, we were here for one and a half year working, staying here, they give us food. And um, yeah, without them, uh, that was not possible to do so it. So then you didn't work in Bogota at all? No, 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 because uh, 
the company in Bogota was having a really hard time for because of the pandemic. So yeah. they asked me to to stop a little bit yeah. working with them. So I did not have a job. So I came to the farm and I asked Don Elias if I can work with him. He said yes. So I started to help him with the beneficio, with the coffees, with the dryers. And, uh, and I said, you don't have to pay me anything. Just give me food and, yeah. uh, and uh, if I, we can stay here, it's more than enough for us. So. so a little fun fact for everyone who likes the coffee from Finca Tamala, the one that we will be getting very soon, I hope. Uh, is actually processed by the world champion. Because <laughs> <laughs> you did, a, Elias has built a huge new wet mill here. It's stainless steel tanks, a new washing mechanism, new dryers. So you were taking care of that during the harvest. Yeah, we make a good team with them because uh, we have Elias who was uh, like controlling everything at the farm. We have another guy who was in charge of the dryers me was in charge of the beneficio which is like fermenting the coffee the pulp and fermenting washing taking them to the dryers and uh, every, everyone was like having a job and uh, the, we all worked together mm. to have a good quality great let me just ask you because a lot of people don't understand what the word training means when you train for a competition <laughs> does that mean you go to the gym and and work <laughs> out or like can you talk a little bit about how how you actually trained for the competition so first you you need to study the rules so there is a competition that has some rules and you need to follow them and uh, according to the rules you started to think about the coffees you want to use so it have to be a coffee that uh, like complements the scores you have to reach. Yeah. So you have to do an espresso, which is the highest scores you will have. So you need to choose a coffee that tweaks that uh, score. So we need a coffee with a good balance. We need a coffee with a lot of flavors, like like really uh, like clear flavors. That's easy to describe. Easy to describe, and you need a coffee that have a good uh, tactile experience. So yeah. we based on that. We that's why we choose the coffee we use. We'll get to that, but <laughs> tell me more about the training. <laughs> and, uh, so then you started to think about like how the coffee tastes with milk and how that coffee tastes with another ingredients to create your signature drink. Mm. So based on the rules, you have to have to you have to train your like uh, like technical part. You have to train latte art as well because you need to you get scores with latte art. But mainly it's a competition based on flavor, so mm. you need to train yourself on flavors you have to taste your coffee in different ways different temperatures different grinds different doughs you have to roast your coffee in different ways so you have to really being connected with the farmer the roaster yourself as a, as a barista and, and uh, finally how you will present your coffee mm. so we tasted the coffee like 100 times before we came out with the coffee we wanted to to serve to the judges. So when you have uh, when you have the coffee, you have to start thinking about how you want to present the coffee. On this competition, we came out with a, a multi-sensor experience, and we based the presentation on that. So because the because of the COVID, there were no a, like a head judge. Normally, the head judge has to calibrate the other four judges, so yeah. he has to taste their drinks, and they all came together to be like calibrated. But due to the COVID, there were no head judges, so the judges have to take their own decisions. So that's when that's why we wanted to get like a, like an individual experience for each judge. Yeah. So they they were comfortable and they really enjoyed the drinks by themselves. So. Um, I think that's why we get a lot of uh, points on, on espresso because we do an like multi-sensory experience in the espresso and they didn't have chance to think about the flavors I say I, I, I was just like telling them what flavors they will felt and uh, like the tactile experience and the balance mm. so they were kind of like influence of, of the things I do connected to the espresso so once you kind of have the coffee and the concepts in place, what do you do then? You just then then I started to to create the routine. So what do we first? Then what's next? Was and I kind of like do every steps of the presentation. So what's first? What's second? What's what's third? And uh, 
like until we get the 15 minutes of presentation. Yeah. What to do, like when to do this, when to do the espresso, when to do the milk, when to do the signature drink, and uh, when to sting the milk, like all that kind of steps, we do them first, and then we started to put the speech into the all the steps. Yeah. And uh, when we have this, w w I practice it first, the steps, all the steps, until I get the 15 minutes. So I started to do all the drinks, all the steps I have to do in the 15 minutes. When I have that, I started to do the speech mm. inside of the steps. So the idea is to get everything in 15 minutes. All the movements and the speech, like you have to talk, you have to do, you have to do a lot of things in 15 minutes. Mm. So I started to get all that 15 minutes together. Oh, and organize it and good train flavor, it. the steps, and, and the speech all together. Yeah. So I train it then separate. So I started with espresso, the routine of the espresso, like make four espressos, say what I have to say for the espresso. Then I started to practice milk. Then I put a speech. Then I started to do the signature mm. with the speech. Because you kind of have to talk when the judges have can pay attention. Because uh -huh. sometimes they have to write as well. Sometimes yeah. they have to taste. And, and uh, a big mistake that a lot of people do is, you know, they serve the coffee and they immediately start to talk again, which, you know, the judges are busy, they're <laughs> tasting. <laughs> yeah, that's something that you have to train as well, like just try to give some time to the judges to enjoy what they're drinking. Yeah. So sometimes you think like if you speak most, you will get out of score, but uh, it doesn't. So you need to give that some time to the people who is drinking the coffee and then you start to talk again. So you did something very smart in this, especially with the espresso. Uh, you had a little uh, iPad on stage for each judge and a headset and a little marble uh, ball sphere. sphere that they had to hold in their hands. So tell me a little bit about what was that? <laughs> we call it multi-sensor experience, which was uh, trying to make the judges be like busy and uh, without having time to think about what they were drinking just because we wanted to, to to stimulate the senses like we stimulate the sense of a smell with a cloud of dry eyes that has a, like a sense a sense like a tropical smell tropical it smell. was beautiful I, I tried it in Bogota and it was fantastic <laughs> there were a sensual, uh, like a smell that influenced the smell they were a sphere that represent the body, the texture, and the, and the weight of the drink. They were a video that like connect the brain with the flavors they will get because there were some colors, there were some, there were some sounds on the video. So they were like hearing, watching, touching, feeling, and tasting something at the first time, mm. at the same time. So they were kind of, all the senses were focused on, on the drink. So they were like kind of like focused on one thing. So they, they didn't lo listen to anyone, they didn't watch anything else, so just all their self were focused on one thing. Because mm. when I tried it in Bogota, it was a very different setting. It was in a small room mm. with, with three other people only. But if you're in a stage in Milan and there's a lot of audience, there's a lot of judges <laughs> <laughs> and clipboards. I just, when I tried it in Bogota, I felt like uh, the world outside just disappeared for a brief moment while I was drinking this drink and just trying to figure out what does this actually taste like you know and it it, it was a great experience because I had the espresso the day before and it was a different experience <laughs> and I guess it's especially that kind of tropical smell that you had like the dry ice when you put dry ice in in water or hot water it, you kind of get this smoke but you had sent, flavored it with some aromas that was really nice so that was like like experience we wanted to create to judges and they see that we create something like special for them so we create a moment we create the experience uh with the coffee so mm. because that was before they say they have a, like a balance like taste balance in in the score sheets but uh, in this competition it was like uh, uh but uh experience like balance experience mm. so it was like how how they feel the, the balance of the drink according to the um experience mm. and they were also a tactile experience that before was like uh, uh, um, just tactile mm. so they were like kind of like how you feel the experience with the balance 
of the drink so that was more like a personal thing for judges to mm. to score the espresso that's why we create something like really personal for them which i think you know the whole point of having four judges is that they have four different opinions it's like the normal wbc routine is that the head judge calibrates everyone so if one judge put two and the other one put four they have to I kind judge. of erase the scores and put the same scores which you know that's my critique to the system but which, which <laughs> was uh, different this year so yeah. they were allowed to to give their own like decisions and uh, the comments because they were like they, they were no head judge so and that's kind of more reflecting the real world because in a coffee shop you do get customers from all around the world and they will uh, have different experiences even with the same coffee so to become a world champion i think you should be able to you know give a good experience to at least four judges from different <laughs> places and they are actually professionals <laughs> they're trained really well they have been judging many many times they're normally coffee professionals so uh, i think you know it's a good thing that they stepped away from that head judge thing i hope they will continue to do that <laughs> um, but of course, you kind of want to eliminate corruption, which can happen. So <laughs> some kind of overseeing should be, at least if you give a one or a six and the other ones don't, then you should be kind of, you have to explain why <laughs> to <laughs> someone, I guess. And I think that's why they started with head judging. Well, that's a different thing. Let's talk about the coffee, because you chose a very unusual coffee. Uh, for those of you who don't know, there are around 124 24 different species of coffee. And by species, uh, we mean they are different species, like a cat and a dog are different species of animals. There are 124 different species of coffee as well. So, um, eugenoides, you used. Yep. And that's supposed to be the mother or father of Arabica. Hmm. What they said is the mother. The mother? And, uh, it's something really new here in Colombia. I think there's only one farm that is growing that coffee. Yeah. And uh, the reason they, there's no more farm with this coffee is because it produces really little amount of coffee. Yeah. And it's not easy to grow because it, it comes from east of Africa. And uh, what they're trying to do in the, in the Finkelas Nubes is to create kind of like a, like a wild wild uh, environment for that variety mm. they're trying to do it organic and wild with uh, a lot of uh, forests around the, the tree um, and they did it so the coffee is really different than we used to try it's a coffee that has a really high sweetness lower uh, content of caffeine lower acidity and uh, with uh, a lot of uh, tropical fruit flavors which is something that uh, will work well for espresso yeah and I think, you know, by when you say a lot of sweetness, I don't think people understand how sweet it is. <laughs> I just uh, to explain, it's like you have an espresso and you have one or two spoons of sugar in it. <laughs> it's that sweet. <laughs> but yeah. without sugar, it's that sweet. And it's really something different. Yeah, it is. I mean, uh, when you brew an espresso, if you, I mean, if you don't have a good roast or a good recipe, you will, o you will end up with uh, acidity which yeah. is kind of the main things that appears in espresso for me or my experience so to get a, a coffee or uh, that sweet as espresso i think is something uh, nice yeah and then for this kind of competition uh, as you said there's people from around the world maybe they don't like acidity are they are they think it's good but uh i think no one's complaining about sweetness so mm. I think it's better to have something too sweet than something that is like kind of high acidity or like with high acidity. I think we can learn from, you know, uh, commercial foods. Like they put sugar in everything now <laughs> and there's a reason for it. <laughs> People love sweetness. <laughs> like soda, yogurt has sugar, everything has sugar. So um, I think you're right. Like I am a fan of high acidity. That might not be so surprising, <laughs> uh, but I, I don't like it without sweetness. So uh, if I can have both, that's the best, I think. But I, I tasted your espresso and it, for me it was like, uh, tropical fruit smell. I mean, it was a natural processed coffee. That's correct. Mm, si. With fer f some fermentation of the cherries first, or yeah, they do a natural process with uh, anaerobic fermentation. <laughs> so, ex I mean, fermentation is anaerobic, but uh, they put the cherries in a closed container or something first. Yeah. 
and then afterwards they dry the cherries with still the skin intact. Yep. Yeah. So it's kind of a hybrid natural process, I guess. And but for me, that you, you on the first impression of the coffee, you, you definitely get that fermented fruit, uh, but in a good and pleasant way, and especially when you have that sweetness with it. I found also a lot of oregano aromas, like <laughs> this kind of herbal, but in a good way. And uh, also in the aftertaste, you got a little minty oregano. And when you compare it to other coffees, and we went to a chocolate factory just the day after we tasted this espresso, and the coffee tastes like cacao nibs, you know, freshly roasted cacao beans. It was really good. Yeah, that's very complex coffee. And what I also loved was the milk drink because <laughs> it was like drinking, you know, when you eat ice cream and you kind of wait for it to melt a little bit and you eat it melted. <laughs> that's how it tasted like with coffee. Tell me about the milk drink. Uh, the milk drink, it, it was uh, with same espresso and uh, we wanted to find a milk that complements that sweetness. Sometimes to do a milk beverage with, uh, with coffee is that the milks try to overpower the coffee. Yeah. So it's difficult to find a coffee that have enough power to kind of like uh, mix with uh, any kind of milk. So this happens with this coffee. This coffee was like really a strong character and uh, it was well st st structured. Mm. So we find a like same skin milk, we process the milk, we kind of like uh, get out the water from the milk. So dehydrating it a little bit. And uh, give, we give a, a more concentrated milk. Yeah. And uh, it tastes really good because we get a sweet milk with a sweet coffee and uh, we still having like kind of like the flavors from the espresso. Yeah. Without tasting uh, really milky. Yeah. Oh, it tasted like ice cream. It was delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think it was because of the coffee yeah. and the body and the heaviness of the espresso yeah. and the sweetness from the espresso as well. It, it kind of uh, left me, and I am not a huge fan of milk drinks. Like normally I just taste them and I'm done with it, but I actually drank the whole drink you served me and it left me wanting more, which is the best, you know, because you don't want to serve too much when people are like, oh, I, I can't take more. <laughs> you always want to have a little bit too little so that people want more. And I think that was the, the best thing about that milk drink was, was just like, I could have more, but I shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> just like a nice Kobe beef or something. <laughs> Don't eat too much of that stuff. And the signature drink, can you talk a little bit about that? Because I didn't taste that. <laughs> yeah, signature, win, signature drink was, uh, we used same espresso, but we wanted to highlight like the tropical fruit flavors in the espresso, so we use uh, star fruit with pineapple, and uh, we are we realize that when we combine those fruits with espresso, it, it becomes like ripe mango mm. and passion fruit. So that was the idea of uh, making a, a signature. When you use ingredients, the signature um, doesn't taste like the uh, ingredients you mm. put. They have to create a new flavor. We use uh, something really neutral, which was a uh, cherries, like cherry reduction, and it becomes like really, like a really fruity sweetness without tasting like cherries. Mm. And um, we use a coffee mucilage. So as you know, the coffee mucilage is something really like, like good texture and a lot of sweetness, and that was the kind of sweetness we wanted to add. Mm. to the signature drink and also it gave uh, it gave texture to the drink we use coffee mucilage in korea as well yeah, yeah. <laughs> i've been using coffee mucilage for like kind of your signature <laughs> <laughs> and um and uh, we also wanted to give gave a like a cold refreshing feeling to the drink so we create we make a cold brew with tony water with the eugenodes and it tastes really refreshing and nice but uh, we wanted to, to do it cold, so we, mm. we make a sphere with the cold brew, and then we serve the, the signature drink over the, ice, over, the, over the ice sphere. Yeah, nice. It was a sphere made, made out of cold brew. And uh, we also do, all the ingredients were made by like concentration, so we frost them, and then we melt them to separate the water from the uh, solids. Mm. 
so the, the ingredients get more like kind of concentrate so we get more sweetness on those mm. like natural sweetness we did not use sugars in the drink normally you have to use a little bit of sweetness to balance the drink but uh in this case we didn't oh i guess the coffee was so sweet the coffee was yeah. sweet we get a lot of sweetness from the fruit we get the sweetness from the mucilage so it was really nice and what about the presentation? Because I watched your uh, first round, the semifinals and the finals. And the first round was kind of good, <laughs> I would say. I, I could tell that you were very nervous. But the second round, you were very nervous. And uh, the cameras didn't pick it up, but something <laughs> happened in the beginning or something. Uh, first round was like, you feel like, uh, so you again, like presenting in the war stage. So it's kind of like, I, I was like, really nervous uh, but I knew what I was doing so I think it's normal to be nervous so second time was like the second presentation was good so but something happened with your espresso or something I get some uh, problems with my tamping so yeah I was using two tampers so one of them were not well calibrated so when I tamp I didn't feel that I was like pushing, you know, so ah. I felt that the espresso was coming up too fast, but I wasn't. Mm. It was like kind of the good, uh, a good timing. But what happens on that kind of competition is when you, when something happens to you, you start to think about, uh, should I do it again? Should I just stop or what's going to happen? Are they going to enjoy the coffee? So your mind started to like, overthinking about everything that could happen yeah but you you know if are they going to happen or but uh, i mean you kind of like disconcentrate yeah on your your team because I, I could tell because i know you quite well i could tell that your mind was not present but you just went on automation almost yeah it happened some second round so i, I was uh, on automatically yeah i have i know how what to do but uh, i wasn't like me doing the things like Okay, I know this is nice. I know what I have to do. Mm. Do the drinks, smile, but uh, it wasn't natural. And this is exactly why you have to train for a long time so that you know what to do. Yeah, because uh, anything could happen. So you need to have the skill to like keep going yeah. and anything that happens. If you have to repeat an espresso or you have to clean something or you need to be able to like do it and continue. Mm. And then the finals, I watched you, and I have to be honest that, uh, you know, many people didn't see you as the favorites because uh, there were some <laughs> other people there who had been to the finals before. And uh, like Hugh, Ke Hugh Kelly uh, from Australia was, I guess, a big favorite. Um, but when I watched your presentation in the finals, you were the first one out. You were on fire. Like, <laughs> I could tell that you had the day. And a lot of times, because I watched a lot of finals over the years, a lot of times you can just tell which person, it's like to the stars just collide and everything it works. <laughs> and you, you have that day, I think. <laughs> but, uh, you know, when I, because I knew you, uh, you kind of always feel like this because you, you want the best for your friends. <laughs> but uh, it turned out you actually won. Yeah, it was a big day. And since we tasted the coffee backstage, the coffee tastes like, I can, like it never tastes. It tastes really nice. We, we came out with the flavors we wanted really easy. So we find the batch we wanted to brew for the competition because we tried like six, seven different batches. Mm. But the first one we tasted, we say, this is the one we want to use. We tasted others, but uh, we still have it in mind the first one we taste. Mm. So I think since that moment, I felt like, okay, this is the day. And then when I go out to the stage and I take the espresso again, I say, nah, this is the day. So I kind of like get a lot of confidence and I was like really quiet. And, um, and uh, someone says to me, the, per the person who like enjoy the moment is the one who's gonna win because at, at finals, everyone gets uh, really nervous and uh, they like, they want to win. But uh, I think the person that wins is the, the, the ones that uh, do everything right and enjoy the moment. So yeah. that's what I did, like started to okay? Coffee's tasting good, there's nothing I have to worry about. So I have the coffee, I have the milk, I have ingredients, so I can do all the drinks. Just just do it. So 
and nothing happens to me. Nothing happens to me on that mm. presentation. Everything was like with a go a good flow. Uh, COVID tastes good. The judges were like kind of connected with me, and they say we really connect with you because you were like yourself. So you were explaining everything on your way. You were really technical, but uh, you were like really human as well. Mm. Yeah, it's it looked like you had a lot of fun. <laughs> like you really enjoyed it, and uh, I, I could tell that it was great because you finished much earlier than the previous rounds, but it didn't feel stressed at all. It felt like you just had a lot of fun, <laughs> uh, so that was great. And how was it to wait for the results? Oh, I think it's <laughs> the worst part. I mean, uh, <laughs> I think I prefer to compete than wait for the announcements. Yeah. So the announcements is the hardest part when you compete. So you have to be. So f first round, second round, you wish them to call you, but uh, in the finals, you wish they don't call you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they have a tendency to drag it out, <laughs> thanking all the sponsors and blah, blah, blah. But uh, yeah, what did you feel like um, when you won? It felt like I still uh, don't believe what I did, uh, what happened. Uh, every time they call someone and it gets close to me and I say, Wow, there's a big chance for me to win this. So I've been dreaming for for many years to win this, and uh, it's going to happen. So I cannot believe this is going to happen to me. So when they say uh, the the third position, I say, oh, I think I have a good chance to win it. So that's what I thought as well. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, when they called the lady from the U.S. and I say, wow, it was like something really big yeah. and nice for me. I couldn't believe that, so I still don't believe that. Everything, every every day when I woke up and I say, I think I'm dreaming. You're not. I promised to myself to call you a champ every day. He hello, champion. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot today, actually. No, I did this morning. <laughs> it's a good reminder. But you worked so hard. Like, what, what, why didn't you give up after Korea? Because you said that it was supposed to be the last time. <laughs> what made you change your mind? I mean. Um, December 2017, I said no, no more. Because we cry a lot, you cry a lot, Louis cry a lot, my brother, darling, my wife, everything was like really sad. And I said maybe this is not for me. I mean, I, I don't want to make everyone feels like sad because of the dreams I have. So, and uh, that's what I decided to move to Australia for for living. So I went to visit Darling because Darling was there uh, studying English. Mm. And I went to visit her, and uh, it was really hard for me because I was coming from um, from the competition for a world competition, and I moved to Australia and I started to work in a in a baklabak store. So they sell baklabak sweetness, and they have coffee as a as a complement. So coffee didn't was a good thing for them. So mm. and uh, coffee was a big thing for me. Mm. So when I started to work with them, I said, uh, maybe I should, I should keep going. Uh, or oh, I, I don't know what I'm doing here, just, just making coffee without any sense to people that don't appreciate what I can do with coffee. Mm. Because they use a really bad coffee, they have a really like dirty machine, no one's used, no one cleaned the machine, the grinder, nothing. So when I came there for the first time, I started to clean everything and I said, don't spend your time cleaning all the equipment because no one's really enjoy coffee here. It's just just do the coffee and that's it. And uh, and I'm still doing my things like cleaning every day, doing the coffee. You know, in the coffee that the coffee was really bad, but I tried to make it taste good. Less bad. <laughs> Less <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> it was really hard because uh, because I was there as a tourist, so I didn't I didn't get a, like a proper job. Mm. I started to to send message to like a big um, coffee in, uh, companies in there, like five cents uh, is a small batch, that kind of like famous coffee shops. And they say, if you don't have papers, like legal papers, you can work with us. So yeah. I have to work like really- Underground. Underground. Yeah. And all the jobs I got there was like underground, like a small cafes that didn't care about quality and uh, yeah. It was really hard for me because yeah. I was coming to be like national champion and, and I was in Australia working. In and then they were nobody. <laughs> no one, nobody knows me. I was working yeah. in a restaurant making coffee. 
on the weekends and then on, in the cafe from Monday to Friday. And I think I learned a lot in there. So, but I still have it on my mind that I wanted to compete. And I called to Luis and I say, I need to take the decisions to go back to Colombia and compete or get a new visa here in Australia and uh, stay here with Darlene and Sofia that uh, she was born in, in Australia. And it was really hard. So I get a, I, I get a decision with Darlene about like coming back to Colombia or stay in Australia, having it like, because you have, if you work in Australia, you have a good kind of type of life. And uh, we wanted to Sofia to stay there, to learn English and uh, grow up in a different um, country mm. with different culture. But then we decided to move to Bogota to compete again and start to work with uh, Don Elias mm. as well. You're still making us cry. <laughs> but now we're crying of joy. <laughs> oh, well, that's great. Uh, how have the like your country received that you have uh, won the competition? Have you had a lot of? Uh, I know you have a, had a lot of interviews and stuff. Like, how has the attention been? I mean, I've got a lot of uh, message from people that they feel proud of uh, the Colombian coffee and they started to believe that they can do something good with coffee. So not just like producing the coffee and exporting it. So mm. they started to believe more in coffee and um, they take it as a like, a like a country achievement, which is nice for me and which is that. So it's not a, like a personal achievement. I just want to everyone know that uh, this is something that uh, really significates on big things for producers, baristas, and everyone who is involved in coffee. Mm. One of the things that I really like was your speech after you won. You were thanking Colombia, the producers, the pickers, <laughs> everyone. And um, you bought your own farm. Ah, uh, yeah. That's so why that was big part of the reasons we come back to competition and come back to Colombia. Because uh, we both, with Darlene, we both were working in a cafe in Australia as a baristas. But um, we get to the point that we we did not enjoy what we did. So we have a nice job, we get good money, but uh, we both came out with that. We were missing something. Mm. So we, we were not happy enough. So we know we were learning from baristas, uh, we were learning from different con uh, coffees around the world, but um, we both have the conclusion that uh, we need to come back. Mm. To me, you're like the perfect uh, barista champion because <laughs> you are a farmer, you know what it means to work on a farm, you know what it means to pick coffee, you know what it means to process coffee, you know how hard it is to live and be a farmer. And you also know how hard it is to be a barista in a <laughs> country where, you know, baristas are not necessarily paid so well. It's long hours. Uh, I remember you were living across town in Bogota <laughs> from work, and you told me it took a couple of hours to get to work every morning because of traffic. Hmm. Um, one and a half hour from yeah. my home to work. And you're really showing that it is possible to win a world championship, <laughs> even if the odds are not necessarily with you all the time. But uh, one, one thing that you do have an advantage of, uh, I believe, when you live in a country like this, is that you have access to all the coffees much more easily than if you are a barista that lives in Norway, for instance. Because then you can only rely on the roasters that are in Norway, or like in Europe or whatever. But uh, here you can actually visit the farms and learn a lot about the coffee and, and have a different angle on, on the presentation. And I, I guess that's why how you found the uh, Eugenides. Yeah, that was an advantage for us because when they say they were going to do the competition in Italy, so as soon as I say, I call the guys from the like the producer and ask them for the coffee. So they they help me to get a coffee as soon as I can, as they can. So mm. so we started to to roast the coffee and taste the coffee, and uh, we knew the coffee was fresh. Yeah. That's great. But uh, let's get back to the farming thing because uh, we're on one hour in, but we can take uh, 15 minutes more maybe. <laughs> Why did you decide to buy a coffee farm? Oh, so because we wanted to have a different 
type of life and uh, we believe that uh, living in a farm makes us happy and uh, because we have uh, an example of Derling's uh, parents that have a coffee farm and they were the ones that inspired us to keep working here and uh, when we were in Australia Derling's father asked Darling, if I we wanted to create a business with the with the coffee farm, so mm. he said, I'm going to buy the farm, and if you come back to Colombia, we're gonna start to work together, so we can like buy like half of the farm each other. So they were kind of like a um, partnership with them. So they bought the farm, and now we paying the farm for them. So they give us the chance to to start our own project. Mm. So we move from Australia, having something to do in here. So since we came, we started to work in the farm and uh, they happy to have Darling here with them and Sophia as well. And um, Not you. <laughs> 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 and uh, I think it's, uh, it's really fun for us to be on the farm, understanding what coffee means from the soil, from the seeds, from everything we can do with coffee. In, uh, with the process, with the drying, and also as a barista, how to brew the coffee, mm. which is kind of putting everything together in one place. And a part of that, we have a like really quiet life, which is like living in a farm is the best thing for us. And I think Sophia really enjoyed the nature and animals, mm. which is like a big reason. Yeah. And what's the name of your farm? Diamante, El Diamante. El Diamante, and it's where is it? Uh, in La, La Plata, La Plata Villa, in the Pescado Alto community, which is kind of like one hour away from uh, La Plata. Yeah, so f to drive from Finca Tamana to there is like almost two hours, more or less. More or less, yeah. If you drive slowly. <laughs> we went there, but. Uh, I think you know you will have great potential there. We tasted the coffees yesterday, and already they're tasting really good. Uh, you have Varidad Colombia, some Castillo, and some Caturras, some Caturras, and they're tasting really good. But we also have some secrets we call them, <laughs> some <laughs> new varieties planted there. And uh, when will we get to taste those in one or two years? I think so. One two, yeah, yeah. The, the they're going well, but I think, yeah, one and a half to just, yeah. we'll have some coffee to taste. Some SL28, some SL34. We have some Java, Pink Bobon, SL28, SL34. Yeah. Nice. And uh, some other ones. Some other secret ones. <laughs> 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 but uh, I'm really looking forward to that. So what's what, what are kind of your goals with the farm? So we wanted to, like, make... Um, the coffee, like the coffee producers to find like farming as a good option of life, like to then to keep believing in coffee and then we want to show them how to do a good quality mm. and uh, how to process the coffees in the best ways. And um, we also want to, to have our own varieties to show to the world with really high quality, mm. small quantities, but with really high qualities yeah. of coffee. I think Finca Tamana is kind of, uh, is already doing a lot of that work, showing producers in, in the area how to produce a higher quality coffee. Of course, it costs more money to produce, and if you don't have buyers that are willing to pay for it, it's kind of a waste of time and money. But uh, fortunately, Elias has some buyers, <laughs> and um, I'm pretty sure that you will have some buyers as well. But I think that's probably the most difficult part is to actually find the buyers who are willing to pay. Yeah, it happens to us last year. We have a good uh, harvest, but um, we didn't have enough uh, buyers mm. for the coffee. So a big part of the harvest was sell to, to the market. Yeah. But I think now that you have a name in Colombia, <laughs> or at least you will be able to build yourself a good name in Colombia. I think you will be able to also sell your own coffee in Colombia. Because my kind of dream is that, you know, the best Colombian coffees should stay in Colombia. Yeah. <laughs> because that's, you know, the Colombians should be able to enjoy that. Just like, you know, in France, a lot of the best wines, they go to other countries, but still the chateaus, they keep a lot of the good wines themselves as well. So um, 
I think you know, the more uh, Colombians can realize that what they actually have in terms of quality, the better, I think. Yeah, as so Colombians, we need to understand that, that drinking a nice cup of coffee is a, is a, uh, is a, is a pleasure yeah. that everyone has, has, can have. At least they have a big coffee culture here. Because like, if I go to Kenya, for instance, and I visit a cooperative, they normally serve tea. <laughs> uh, maybe because there uh, used to be a British colony. And Brit Brits, they you know, <laughs> they drank tea. But um, uh, at least here, you do get a cup of coffee when you visit a farm. You yeah. might get a cu cup of chocolate, hot chocolate, but uh, normally I get a cup of coffee. Yeah, coffee is everywhere. Yeah. A new, a not really nice quality, but uh, coffee everywhere. <laughs> but there are some really nice coffee shops in Bogota, I have to say. Yeah, they are. And one of my favorites is your Amor Perfecto, <laughs> where you work. I love to sit there and work, so whenever I'm in Bogota, I normally sit there many hours, and the baristas are always nice, serving good coffee. And now they have the world champion barista. <laughs> Anything else you want to say before mm. we No, I just want finish? to say thank you. Thanks you for um, your support. As I say, it's been a pleasure to be your friend. And uh, when, I when I am outside or when I talk to someone that knows you and I say, I'm a I'm, I'm friend of you, they say, oh, really? I cannot believe you're a friend of Ting Wendelbo because you, they see you like on the top. And they say, wow, it's have to be difficult to be a good friend of Tim Wendell Boy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I say, no, that's really easy. I've been, I've been a good friend for, with him for so many years. And I say, wow, lucky you. <laughs> yeah. Now I can say I'm a friend of you <laughs> instead. <laughs> it's turned around. The good thing now is that whenever we go somewhere together, I don't have to make coffee anymore. <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> and I can finally relax. <laughs> Oh, Diego, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing your future, what that brings, and uh, also to taste more of your coffee from El Diamante Farm, and hopefully work with you as well on my own farm. Nice. To continue that. Thanks for uh, joining me, Thank and you. thanks for listening to all the listeners. Um, this was Diego Campos, the World Barista Champion 2021 and Tim Wendelboe sitting at Finca Tamala in Colombia talking about his fantastic victory. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. <laughs>